I want to welcome you back to our Wednesday night Bible study, and we're going through the book, What If I Do Not Desire to Pray? And we're going to be focusing on prayer, which obviously Jesus said, my house shall be the house of prayer. So here at Bath Chapel, we're going to focus in on getting the DNA of prayer into a believer back into the DNA of our church. And it's not that we hadn't prayed or never been about prayer, but it's time more than ever to focus on concerted prayer together and alone. And so... This book hopefully is dipping our toe into. I need to get more uncomfortable. I need to get more comfortable with prayer, and so it's a little book. It's, you can get the PDF off our website, uh, bathchapel.church, and it's what if I do not desire to pray. And so I'm glad you're here joining us tonight. I remember you see here on the slides. Uh, we have different things going on through the week. We have a virtual uh, Sunday school at 9:30, and then we have our physical service at 10:20 on both of them on Sundays, and then also our Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Um, also, uh, our youth are meeting physically on Wednesday nights at 7. And so these things are going on. We have our mission, uh, which is uh, uh, Grand Oaks, and we help with food and clothing. If you have a need, please contact the church. And the mission is over from 9 to noon. And so a lot of different things coming on. Our men's Bible study is going to be starting back up uh, soon, and so that's in the mornings, and we'll have more information on that. So we've got a lot of things we're looking towards, again, trying to be safe for everybody. And you do what's at your comfort level. You may be a part of our church or uh, want to give, and we're not here to get people to give, but if that's something God lays in your heart or following the obedience and habit of giving, um, we have a secure P.O. box, or you can give physically, or um, you can uh, give to our regular mailbox and online. So anyway, a lot of aspects that you can uh, give safely if God lays that in your heart. Um, our Lottie Moon offering, which goes to missionaries, uh, we take it once a year. We're in the process of that. And if that's something you want to give over and above your normal giving, we're in the process of taking that offering. So all these things are here at BassChapel.Church if you have any questions or want to get a hold of this. So let's open in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this uh, evening. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. Help us to look uh, clearly, dear Lord, why we don't desire to pray, what keeps us from praying. Help us to set this aside and to grow in you in a time especially when we need to have this habit in our spiritual lives. I ask that you speak to us in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, uh, we were looking at different uh, aspects and understanding, again, why I don't uh, desire to to pray. And, and some things we looked at last week is you're not the only one that has this struggle. And it won't be the last time you have this struggle. And people in worse situations have changed for the better, that we can change. And so we ended by asking, what transformed, looking at the apostles from the scripture that we looked at last week, that Jesus is getting ready to head towards the cross. They're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he tells them to stay awake and pray. And he comes back several times, and they're asleep. And... We looked at this aspect to ask what transformed the sleepy apostles into tireless men of prayer. And the question was, and how might our hearts change to desire prayer more? That's what we're going to discuss tonight. How, will, how might our hearts change? And it has to be a heart issue. We talked about this Sunday in the sermon on forgiveness. That the last part of that is we have to forgive from the heart. The heart is the seat of all that we do. We can sit there and say things and we're going to do stuff, but the heart is what, where we're, the core of where we're at and what we're going to do. And so how do we change our hearts to desire more prayer? 
you know. And so we're looking at tonight the resurrection of Christ, the source of desire. The resurrection of Christ, the source of desire. Christianity is not a primary set of rules about how we should live. Christianity is fundamentally about an event. I want you to think about that. A lot of people say you're religious, and I don't like that term. I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to be religious, but I like more that I'm in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But more importantly, he talks about Christianity isn't primary set of rules about how we should live. Christianity is fundamentally about an event, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. And we're going to be looking a little bit later at 1 Corinthians 15, and I've learned uh, uh, these verses. Uh, verse, uh, uh, I haven't learned all of them, but verses 1 through 8, we're going to look at 2, 3, and 4 you know, here in a little bit. But that's the core of what Christianity is about. It's about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, Paul describes the gospel, and you get a vision for what uh, a transformed uh, prayer life looks. And we see this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 8. Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, and that he was buried and raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at the time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as to, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. As a Christian, you need to learn 1 Corinthians 15, especially verses uh, 3 and 4. For I deliver unto you of first importance, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scriptures. That is the gospel in a nutshell. That is the reason we should be motivated with a desire to pray is because Christ died for our sins, Christ was buried for our sins, and Christ was raised in accordance with Scripture. And then it goes on to show the witnesses, that not just the apostles, but also 500 plus people that saw the risen Christ. And so the vision, that should transform our lives. And that's what the resurrection means is new life. The gospel message is primarily about what Jesus accomplished for his people by his death and resurrection. What did he accomplish? Jesus defeated death by dying. And he conquered death, hell, and the grave by raising from the dead. Jesus was alive and well, and this is one fact that animated the apostles' ministry and transformed them from sleepy saints that we talked about last week to leaders who prayed relentlessly. Very few people will die for a lie, especially when they discover that it's a lie. I mean, who really wants to die for a lie? It's kind of interesting. Most people that are involved in cults stay in the cult after they realize that it's a lie because that's their family. That's their security. But they realize it's a lie. But very few people will die for a lie. And you see these men go all over the world with nothing. You see in Hebrews where it talks about uh, how Christians were persecuted. 
and the world was not worthy of them and that they would go to these extremes. Why? Because of the power of the resurrection. A lot of us are right now are, you know, I'm upset about a lot of things. I don't like what's going on in our world right now. But I'm not saying this to be fake. I've had a peace before this. I have a peace now and I'll have a peace after it because this is not how it ends. You know, I, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. We're talking about a bigger thing. And But so many times people can get weighed down by this and it will cause them to turn from God instead of turn to God. And to see that this world is not their home and that the re- power of the resurrection says this is not all there is. Go back to the apostles. What were they doing after Jesus was crucified and buried? They were hiding and they were living in fear. Side note, what are you doing right now in the midst of all this stuff? It's one thing not to like what's going on. It's another thing to let it consume you. We need to be focused on the power of the resurrection. That power of the resurrection should cause us to pray more. I was listening to a, a, a commentator today and he was talking about that this has emboldened him when people are saying don't speak and he's talking about the gospel. This has emboldened him to push the gospel more again with gentleness and peace. Guys, those of us that know Christ, we have the words of life and death. Deuteronomy 30.19 tells us this. And we need to bring before people, as he brought before the Israelites, they have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. I call heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you choose life, that you and your descendants might live. Christian, you praying, speaking life. You speaking the gospel to the lost that are, are truly lost is speaking life. And that life is the hope of the resurrection. Not a religion. That's the difference. And that's what motivated these guys to go hungry. To be burned. To be tortured. In various horrific ways. I don't want any of that for anybody. And I don't want it for myself. There's got to be a tipping point where we say, I'm going to go with God. The gospel and the resurrection are real. So I may not like it, but it's going to be okay. That's what motivated them. And that's honestly, Christian, that's why you're here today. That's why your Bible's here. That's why I'm able to speak to you. Is because men and women said, you know what? The resurrection is real. And I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to be emboldened. I want you to be emboldened. I want you to get undignified. I want you to be so focused on worshiping God, it doesn't matter what else is going on. We often assume that our response to pitiful prayer life should be to redouble our efforts, institute a new prayer regime, or reorganize our schedule. And what's interesting, he's saying that, that's what I'm trying to do here. Um, I like what he said last week that this is not going to be the only time you're going to struggle with prayer. Because I've gotten where, hey man, I've got this prayer thing zoned in. I'm doing it. And then it became just a habit or a regime instead of something natural. And then I'd stop and I'd hit, hit it again. And, I, and I'm convicted about our church that we need to have DNA built back in on regular prayer time. But again, I need to be careful of this. I don't want a regime or reorganize my schedule or just a habit I want us to realize why we don't desire it how you can do it personally 
and how we can do it corporately as a church. Certainly we may need a fresh dose of resolve or a change of schedule, but those things can't substitute the life of prayer. Instead, perhaps our cold, prayerless hearts need to stop focusing on prayer so much and start focusing on the person and the work of Christ. Jesus' resurrection changes everything, including our desire for prayer. See, that's the key that we can get tonight on what we're talking about. We're focusing on how should I instead of who should I. How should I pray? I really try to be careful about the sinner's prayer. Because I think it is a good thing that it's something made up of man. But there are a few components that if somebody asks Christ in their life that they need to realize that. 1 Corinthians 2.2 2, For I've decided to concentrate only on Christ Jesus and His death on the cross. It's okay to have things like the Lord's Prayer that guide us or the sinner's prayer that guide us. But so many times if you're like me, uh, I just get stuck in the regime of it and forget the relationship. And so that's sometimes you just have to pause and just talk to Jesus, which is, which is what prayer is about. And so I've decided to concentrate only on Christ Jesus and His death on the cross. It, it amplifies 1 Corinthians 2 2. It amplifies what we've looked at here in 1 Corinthians 15 when it's talking about the fact that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture. Christ was buried and raised from the dead on the third day in accordance to Scripture. That is the gospel. That is the power of the resurrection. Christ's resurrection should change our prayer life, not merely our prayer regime. So, how we pray, uh, wh- what we pray about. Um, you go, he, you go on here and see some examples in Acts. You read through the first six chapters of Acts, and you find at every opportunity, the apostles turn to the resurrected Lord for help. At every point, from lacking direction. Uh, we go back to Acts 1, verses 9 through 14. And again, you guys can look at these references and look at them a little bit further to see, hey, how did the disciples go from being uh, sleepy and not praying to, I need you, Lord. And here they are. Jesus is ascending uh, into heaven after he has risen from the dead. And they are called to watch and pray. And so even we see in Acts 1, verses 9 through 14, they were lacking direction. And so they were seeking it. We see it further in Acts 1, verses 15 through 26, picking up the pieces after being betrayed by a close friend. That they prayed to discern who would fulfill the role of the missing apostle Judas. And so uh, to a struggling, growing church, we see in Acts 2, verses 37 uh, through 42, a struggling with a growing church. It was, I mean, they had new problems. They had things to consider. Churches never have to do that, have that issue. My goodness, this COVID thing, there's, it's unprecedented. And it's not to be a naysayer, but, you know, pastors struggling with that or pastors leaving, they were leaving in the first place, but they're like, I don't know how to deal with these dynamics. But go back to the first church in Acts and go back to why we're doing this study and go back to why we're going back to this touchstone of, my goodness, you're calling us to pray. I mentioned this several times, but 90% of people, according to some statistics, are open to prayer. It doesn't mean they're praying to Christ. So prayer is a real pivotal thing that we need to have in our spiritual DNA. It's in our DNA, and we need to use it. And so we see that uh, struggling with the growing church. 
they also prayed to feeling weak and afraid as they were confronted with hostility to Jesus. Weak and afraid, Acts 4, 13-31. I'm convinced in America now they're going to deal with persecution. And Americans are not used to dealing with religious persecution. The rest of the world, and they're not used to feeling weak and afraid. And one of my big things is misunderstood. That's not me. I don't feel that way. God tells me you're God's creation. I love you. And I need to in love speak the truth, but leave you with that decision. But I need to speak the truth. But so many times we can be weak and afraid and say, everybody's going to turn on me now. Well, how do you think the apostles felt? The early church. And guess what they did in Acts 4, verses 13 through 31? They prayed. Time of prayer. A call to prayer. Another thing, the early church to wrestling through issues of ethnic tension that threatened the unity of the church. (laughs) This was the first church. And they were dealing with ethnic tension. You know, Acts 6, verses 1 through 6. How do we take care? How do we love? You know, we uh, just, you know, celebrated Martin Luther King on Monday remembering that. And I think he did a lot of good things and and helped get us to a lot of good places. And then you fast forward and we're dealing with what we're doing now. We need unity. And in the midst of this, we need to pray. We need to pray that we see the person, not anything else, that we see the creation God has has created and we love. The disciples prayed. they they, They turned to Jesus because they knew He could help. I told you 90% of people are open to prayer. The question is, who are they praying to? Only Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And we need to pray in the name of Jesus because there's power in that name. It's not a magic word or something like that. It's the name of the creator of all universe that lived, that died, that rose, that resurrection power. Prior to the resurrection, the, the apostles often responded to challenges with cowardice and fear. We see this in Mark 14. 50 and Mark 14.66-72 but after the resurrection they chose to gather and to pray. They didn't keep their problems to themselves or attempt to work out solutions among themselves. They prayed. They always prayed. And this is what I'm trying to get us as pastor of Bath Chapel I encourage you to get back to pray. It doesn't mean you may not be able to physically get here and pray. We're going to have a designated time. We're going to give you the resources. You go on our, our website, bathchapel.church, and you go to the resources section. There's wonderful resources to get you started and ideas about prayer. But we've got to get this into our spiritual habit. Every problem the early church encountered was met with prompt and often impromptu prayer meetings. I encourage you, I have to do this, but when somebody tells me of a need or a prayer request, I don't wait. I pray for them right then, and I pray with them. And the reason is, is I don't want to forget. I don't want to push it off. And so we need to do that. We need to be in season and out of season. Everyone that didn't search for everyone, they didn't go searching for answers on their own. Why? Because they had seen Jesus get up from the grave and he was alive and they simply couldn't unsee it. They'd seen the power of the resurrection. That's why we read that whole section. 500 plus people saw him for 40 days after he rose, before he ascended. And they knew who they were praying to was alive. Blessed are those who 
believe who have not seen. That's us. We didn't see the resurrected Lord, but we believe it. Because the church was praying. Because the church was telling the gospel. Let's go to Esther. Her people were facing destruction. And, and her relative Mordecai said, You know, I'm abbreviating, the Lord will save His people one way or another. Perhaps you are here for such a time as this, Esther, to save your people. Christian, this is nobody's fault. This is our time. It is on us right now. And either you're going to pray in the power of the resurrection, and you're going to speak with the boldness of the resurrection, or you need to ask yourself, do I know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? You may be afraid, and you may be disheartened, and we've all been there, but we need to remember what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, the great crowd of witnesses that are encouraging us to press on, to not give up, to lay aside every weight and sin which so easily besets us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. This is why the resurrected Christ is important. This is why praying to the resurrected Christ is important. Because why did he set down? Because he is victorious. These are just skirmishes, skirmishes. And we need to remember those that have gone on before us, that are cheering us on, that saying, we have won, and you need to boldly tell people that there is hope. And you need to boldly seek God in prayer. And that is the power of the resurrection. Every problem the early church encountered was met with prompt and impromptu prayer meetings. Because they simply couldn't unsee what they'd seen, the power of the resurrected Christ. Um, Jesus is alive. It's in this vision that leads to prayer. So consider these things as we close during this time and we look at the section next week. Consider reading large, this is your homework. Consider reading large portions of the gospel or memorizing important texts and scriptures that unfold the glories of Christ's death and resurrection. I had memorized 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 5, because uh, uh, 3 and 4, because that is the gospel. You know, it, it said, you know, in accordance that Christ died, for I delivered in you a first importance, which Christ also delivered to me, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance to the Scripture. That is the gospel. Consider reading these sections, Romans uh, 3 verses 21 through 28 or 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 18 uh, so reading large sections of the gospel memorizing uh, uh, scriptures as we head towards Easter I mean that's a while but now we've, he, he's here and he's been born and he's living that life that we see the power of the resurrection consider consider prayerfully reading biblical uh, reading a biblical reflection on the personal work of Christ um, some books Mark Jones, Knowing Christ, or Mark Dever and, and J.I. Packers, and the place in my place condemned he stood. Just a couple of books there, and the references will be on there. But if you want our hearts to be transformed, then we need to meditate on the person, the work of Christ. We need to behold him in his resurrected glory. Oh, man, guys. If I just watch the news, if I just listen to what people are trying to tell me how the world is, and if I don't look around, and if I'm not in the Word first, First Corinthians 2, 2, for I decide to concentrate only on Christ's death and His resurrection. 
focus on Jesus, focus on that He's alive, and focus that He said, in this world you have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Focus on this is not the end, the resurrected glory. Next week we're going to talk about clarifying the gospel and fueling prayer, two more essential ingredients. We're praying in the hope of resurrection. We're praying to the resurrected Christ. But to the end, we're also praying that people be saved. I encourage you this week to look at the gospel, to look at the resurrection, to live in that hope, regardless of what's going on, and to focus on that. Lord, thank you for this day, this opportunity to be here. And I pray, I thank you that you are alive, that you are risen, that you are risen indeed. I pray that we live as a, a people with that hope, regardless of the things that are going on. I pray that we begin to pray and talk to you, to get comfortable talking to you in conversation. I pray you urge us to build these spiritual habits in our lives. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.